Welcome to Coffee with Curtis, your home for quality business conversation. Hey everyone, I'm Robert Curtis. Today on the program, we have Liron Glickman. She's the CEO of The Human Factor by Liron Glickman, a company focused on growth for tech firms globally. We chat about her philosophy when it comes to networking, business development, media, developing your talent, and even her role at the UN on sustainability. You're going to love her, so enjoy the podcast. Liron Glickman, it is so great to have you on the podcast. How are you? Great, Robert. I'm so happy you invited me. How are you? I am doing really well. Um, I'm, like we said before and before we came on air, um, Mm. just desperate to get traveling again. I think that's the thing that I'm just like Mm. itching to do, you know, spending years going back and forth on planes, just like you. It's the one thing that I'm addicted to and I want to get back to. Yeah, we talked that the the best, um, in order to get the experience of take off and land, we can go to a lot these days, but uh, obviously we can also go abroad, but it it takes a bit more of a hustle. But yeah, I definitely agree with you. I can't wait to travel again. I'm one of those strange people who absolutely love being on a plane for like 12 hours with no (laughs) Wi-Fi, just movies and myself. Let me tell you when will we start. As my father, uh, he's um, a commercial pilot. He retired from Elal. And I had different flights with him with almost empty aircraft. And imagine the whole 767 is your own. And, you know, just can choose whatever four seats that you want and just, you know, just enjoy. So I definitely share this, um, you know, love of being on planes, as you were saying. Amazing. Now, we have known each other for a while and we were reminiscing again just before we came on air. Mm -hmm. It must be close to 10 years. Remind me how we met. So I remember vaguely that it was a conference, possibly around 2011, um, a certain conference. I remember you told me you're from Ranana. And then I remember you told me about Graduate. And I still, it was like, clicked to me. I'm like, oh my God, was it, what a perfect name. Like the name rolls so well in when, when you say it. And I remember that we stayed in touch. And I also tried to connect people to you. And we were, I tried to do the business development. And, and obviously we, we kept in touch until this very day. And um, so the, that's what I remember. What about you? Well, I remember we were, I think it was, was it the Hilton in Tel Aviv? And I I think it was the Hilton. And I remember sitting down for like the keynote and there weren't many seats. And I sat down next to you and I think you had a colleague there. And, you know, I'm British. We don't really talk to people unless we're spoken to. We're a little bit more reserved. And I just made Aliyah and moved to Israel. Right. And, 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 Yeah. And I, I remember just starting talking to you and uh, we, we hit it off and uh, we kept in touch. And I guess that's the, the thing I probably learned from you early on, that business development is just jumping out of your comfort zone and speaking to people. And I have to say that this time, like around 2011, this was when I was um, actually starting to teach how to do networking. So every single event was like a learning ground for me. And I, you know, I tested things. I mean, I didn't tested myself. I mean, I, I can share more about it later, but I really realized that I'm doing something good. And I tried to, to look at myself from the outside, do what I do, and then understand how I did it. So these were the times that I actually built my uh, methodology based on 
these times that we actually met. So yeah, it's, it's great to, to hear the feedback of what you experienced back then. I think that's interesting. Maybe we'll kick off there that networking actually is almost one of the roots of all good business development. Talk to us about what you learned about the power of networking and why this is so important to wow. your, you and your own career and, and how you teach people, because obviously that's the, the foundation of your own work today. Shall we start from the beginning or from the concrete answer? You're the expert. Go for what you want to do. <laughs> okay. So um, generally speaking, then networking is a word that people don't like, but we'll do it all the time. People like the, world, the words relation, uh, relationship or relationship building. Um, the problem is that we do it all the time, but we nobody really teaches us in any formal, um, you know, um, circumstances how to network. We do it either if we have it or we experience and learn through time or copycat other people. And obviously, we do it all the time because you know it's, it's you know these words, but people do people with people, like people do business with people. It's all about people, and it's really nice to say, but there is so much behind it, and that's what I've been researching and doing for the last years. Now, if I want to go back, then um, 22 years ago, when I was 16, I started my career uh, during high school. Uh, I was working for a local radio station. Then I was accepted to serve the army spokesperson, sh- spreading good news to the media. Good Good news about the army to the media. It was a very unique role. And then I went on to be in, in media and TV and, and marketing and so on. But in this very uh, in these times when I, I was I was a baby, I was a kid, 16, I was always a very um, smiley person and very friendly. But I realized that there was something um, maybe a bit awkward about the way I build relationship. Like I was friends with everybody, but I wasn't exposed to the real information. I didn't get access to opportunities. I felt like people saw me as a really nice person, but not more than that, like um, a bit more flat. And I wanted to understand why I'm not perceived as, why I, can, why I can't make the stronger relationship with people that are not as close to me. And through this frustration that I wanted to be closer to people, I really started learning the people around me. And and obviously, like looking back, I realized that I perfected the way of building relationships. And it's pretty easy. You know, it's really about caring, about listening, about um, giving first, but also about, you know, knowing your your place and, and, and create some kind of a harmonious relationship with your mutual building official. It's authentic. Um, and it's um, it's good enough for us to feel comfortable to you know help each other or whatever. If I'm trying to to, to say it this way, I, I developed a methodology of you know about that and but that's pretty much about how it started and what I think it is. I think the interesting thing that I found about networking is just how, a how critical it is to everybody's own life and career. You know, I often use the term: if you're not networking, you're not working, and yeah. It's, it's something that I've learned over the years mm-hmm. and I often and agree with you fully that when you come with no agenda to those types of relationships where you're not thinking about you, you're thinking about them, yeah. that is the basis of how good networking takes place. So look, Liron, we've got so much to talk about. We've got limited time. I want to cover <laughs> a lot more topics <laughs> with you. Um, alongside, obviously, your, your networking methodology, one of the things that mm-hmm. has been so awesome to watch over the years is you grow into a business development guru. Um, today, mm-hmm. you're you know, lecturing to different companies 
all around the world, four continents, global. What's your business development methodology? Um, I know that's probably difficult to cover in just a few minutes, but alongside that, how do you see business development as different to sales? Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, thank you. And I have to point out because we know each other for so long. Um, so it's, it's really, it's great too that you, you've actually seen me grow. So thank you again. And, and, and you know, I, I cherish that and appreciate that. Um, so business development, I think it's one of the most misunderstood uh, phrases in the industry because every company or any, you know, role person who does business development usually have some kind of specific interpretation. Obviously, it's about growing the company. It's about its growth engine. But some companies see it more as sales. Others see it as partnerships. Others as, you know, something between marketing and business development. So um, I, I haven't found it um, but someone told me that Harvard calls business development, says business development is sales, strategy, and networking. However, the way I see business development is the, the it's, it's something in the middle between marketing and sales. I mean, you have to, to have the strong marketing uh, understanding and the sales understanding in order to create something great together. And if you're asking about my methodology, so in short, I really use both. So, I mean, once you use the marketing right and create some kind of exposure uh, to the target audience and people know you and have a good um, impression about you, then it's easier to sell because um, they know you, they, they want to listen to you and, and they probably be, they'll be more open to, to accept what you have to offer. Um, but it's also, you know, you probably know the phrase, no like trust in marketing. So it's also, you know, in, in relationship, I need to know you first. I need to trust you. I need to like you. And then I'll be willing to hear what you have to offer and maybe give, give you a chance or give myself a chance to work with you. So it's really about creating some kind of presence and then see how we can um, sell upon it. Easier said than done, but um, the basics is people, relationship, exposure, using marketing methodologies. Um, that's in, in a high level, level. I think what you're saying is interesting on the basis that it's about people developing those um, attributes of, you know, no like trust. These are... Yeah. These are things that we feel. These are emotions. This is psychology. Yeah. This, and, and I'm interested why you chose the name The Human Factor by Liron Glickman as oh. your company name. <laughs> so first of all, The Human Factor by Liron Glickman uh, is due to IP and other companies around that call The Human Factor. So that's why I need to call it The Human Factor by Liron Glickman. But um, the I, was real, I was well briefed. <laughs> I knew to say The Human Factor by Liron exactly. Glickman. Exactly. Thank you so much. Um, no, but honestly, um, be- I-, I told you a bit about my background and I'm, I'm a people person. I always, I was always fascinated by people from different cultures and how people do what they do. And this is my life. I mean, if you look at me and the people, the friends that I gathered around my, my life so far, it's people from all walks of life, from all so many countries. I'm a people person. I, I like to be friends, to investigate, to know people and understand what makes them um, get what they, where they are and so on. So the human factor is really what differentiates each and every one of us, but it's also what connects 
each and every one of us. And that's why I called my company uh, in this name. I do two main things. I do global business development for startups, mainly for tech companies. And I also speak about it. Um, and I find such a great correlation between doing it and then teaching it. And I always learn and bring it to the other um, hat that I have of either teacher or doer. So it's really all about people and it's all about what we bring to the table in any you know, touch point, business, personal. It's so important to be a practitioner alongside the um, academic or the consultancy because yeah. the minute you step away from the, the coalface, from speaking to customers, from speaking to the, the market, you mm. lose that edge, I find. And I have to tell you, Robert, I just, we talked about it briefly before we started recording, but this week is one of the most blessed week that I had. Um, I have nine lectures this week and three of them are for two uh, different um, inve UK investment banks. And obviously when, as I prepared my lecture for them, then it's it's a, it's a different culture, you, you know, the, the British culture. So I had to make sure that first of all, uh, I adjust the, the content to them. But I mean, each um, speaking engagement, let alone um, to other, you know, um, again, people from other countries or, or, or um, sectors, I learned so much. Like I felt that this specific week has grown me so much as a professional. Um, and, and I can, it, it's just the fact that I, that I teach, I grow. And this specific week is a, is a week that really has, has grown me immensely through that. How do you manage to dip into all of these different cultures? Like we said, you're working with mm -hmm. companies all around the world. I know you've lived in other places around the world. I think Australia from memory. And yeah. it's not easy to switch cons cons consistently and continually with different yeah. types of groups and people and regions, especially from Israel, actually. I find, you know, you're, you're probably a rare yeah. breed, but, you know, Israelis who haven't experienced the world um, yeah. or are willing to accept some of the other cultures of the world um, find this difficult. You've mastered it. How did you do that? Wow, I love the question. Um, so a few things. First of all, um, as I said, I grew up in a, in a house where um, going abroad was was a, was a part of our everyday um, you know, routine. My father, as a commercial pilot, he always flew, uh, came back with stories. He took us around the world from a very young age. Um, and I was always so fascinated about the different countries and different cultures. So I, I'm a very curious person about um, other cultures. And then um, when I could, I moved to Australia, as you said, and I lived there for over two years. And what I discovered there, it was it was just in the beginning of my 20s. And this was a very, um, I think, the time that really shaped who I am. And, you know, I always lived in Israel and suddenly I saw different countries. They, it had, they didn't have the problems that we have here. Um, and I was able to see, to learn how they see life. I mean, I, I was able to see life from a different lens. And, you know, everything is more easygoing and people introduce each other. And remember, I lived with, with roommates and I told one of them, give me the milk. And he said, no, you don't say give me the milk. You say, would you mind passing the milk? And I'm like, oh, that was very Israeli of me. So I really started to, you know, to learn through living with people from other cultures. But I guess it's also maybe that developed the sensitivity for me. Um, going back to being a people person, I, I, I'm listening to people, but I was also an extreme people pleaser, which I was able to balance. But I think um, in the greater scheme of things, it's really helped me to connect to different people. Yeah, look, it's powerful. And yeah, 
you know, just traveling around the world myself and enjoying places yeah. like Australia and the States and the Far East. It's, it's just, I don't know what the word is, delicious. I love it. It's just, it's just enjoyable. So you mentioned that at a very early stage, you had this awesome role of being the spokesperson for the army. And that is no easy task, obviously, particularly wow. in our neighborhood, which is certainly filled with its ups and downs. Presentation skills have either come very easily to you naturally within your skill set, mm-hmm. or maybe you've learned them as you've gone along. But I, again, looking at your career, the, the 10 years that I've been privileged to watch, presentation is a really important part to Liron's world and how you present yourself, how you present wow. your business, how you present on social media, how is all that informing what you do and and the value that you place on presentation? So um, I guess, you know, it was, first of all, I always, I never had um, um, a public speaking fear. Actually, uh, when I was five, I was was learning how to play the uh, the piano and we had uh, the end of the year event. And my role was to sit in the second row and play the piano. And there were a few kids that were standing in the first row and singing. My mother, as she told me, she was in the audience. And at some point, the five-year-old me just left the piano, went to the front row and started singing with the singers. And honestly, you don't want to hear me sing. So I guess it was embedded in me, you know, early days that I loved the stage. Um, But obviously, when I started, when I when when I was sixteen and I started and I was starting working for the national uh, regional national radio station, um, the reason I did it was because it was really the end of the intifada, you know, very harsh times. Uh, the, it was about nineteen ninety eight, mm-hmm. um, and I, I was always a very happy person, and I I want I wanted to make people happy, and then I realized that working for the radio station can really help me share some of my positive vibes to the people that listen to me. No, even though it was 12 p.m. at night that I had my show, 12 a.m., sorry. Um, so I used the media in order to really make people's life better. And then when I was in the army, my job, I was not this, per, this spokesperson, I was a, a, pers- a soldier in the unit, but my role was to find the positive stories, the positive stories about units and people and bring them to the media. The media always looked for the bad and I was bringing the good. So I found very much fulfillment from really giving people good um, stories through my presentation and marketing skills and bringing it, you know, moving forward to today. By the way, when I was in Australia, I already had about seven years of experience as a radio presenter. And I was introduced to a local radio station and was, there was a really nice guy, I think his name was John, British one. And he asked me, okay, tell me about your radio resume. And I shared with him that I did this and that for seven years. And he, he said to me the, this sentence that I will never forget. He said, I have to tell you something. Your English sucks, but I love your vibes and I wanna give you a show. Honestly, I would not hire myself. My English was so bad, but I think that really represents, you're saying about, um, talking about presentation, it's really about the vibe, okay? So, and, and social media allows that, or we should know how to convey our vibes if it's if we're standing in front of people, if we're in Zoom, if we're writing. I mean, that's definitely skills because we, we are all unique in our special way. And if we're able to show our voice, share our vibes, this what really can make us all um, impact other people. And that's what I'm, you know, always learning and hopefully perfecting and doing. I think for, you know, people like you 
Um, I'm very happy being in front of an audience, but many people aren't. And actually we're probably in the minority. And Mm -hmm. I actually think this is a skill that should be taught at school. It should be an actual track, an actual subject, maybe even alongside how to network, how to build relationships. Because if you can do those two things and you learn them, there's not a door that you can't open and a way that you can't share your message. But it's, yeah. it's something that's missing. I love what you're saying, because when I teach about um, how to create relationship, how to build your network to your success, which also consists of um, uh, personal branding methodology, um, skills and leadership skills and being proactive, then at the, I mean, the, the sub context that, that, um, when, when I when I share this is I really I was told that I give people the confidence to do this when they listen to me I kind of give them the permission to say to, to do what they don't know that they can do but um, I'm not a psychologist but I do you know I have a few tricks in my sleeves but I really think that um, this fear of networking is a fear of rejection and we all have it I had it and I still have it and sometimes it's embedded because we had a bad experience when we were young or because, you know, we don't like to be out there and it's okay. Today we have, we don't have to, to do it in front of people. We can write, we can, you know, we can text, we can, yeah, I mean, there's so many ways to convey information today, um, our information, but I think it's really something that is important to, to work on. So, cause it's kind of, it's really kind of a superpower. It really is. These are two superpowers that if you can learn them at whatever stage in your career, they really change the trajectory of what you can achieve just personally. And, you know, I've just seen it in my own career and I've seen it in others. It's it's really powerful. I, I think what you have done in your career is what perhaps even Gary Vee talks about, this idea of turning yourself into a media production company just Mm -hmm. talking about who you are and what you do whether that's written audio pictures video if you can turn your life whether that's Mm -hmm. business personal whatever it might be into that media production which I think you've actually captured really well um, Mm -hmm. then you tell a story you connect back to the human factor by yeah. Leroy Glickman. <laughs> yeah, or it's it's by everybody, you know, each and every one of us. What do you think about you know the um, the, the the public speaking? Because I, I mean the, the the anxiety from public speaking. Because obviously you said not everybody feels comfortable. Not everyone feels comfortable. I, I mean, I, I remember actually as a kid, and we all go back to our childhood, like you were saying. Mm-hmm. I probably had a similar moment. I think I was probably older than five. I think I was about ten. And I was in primary school and I got the part to play Winston Churchill in the school play. Wow. And you had the cigar and everything? I had the cigar. I had a suit. I had the sort of the little glasses. And I had to give in sort of the Winston Churchill style language and accent um, his famous speeches of, you know, we will fight them on the beaches. And I remember that moment. And thinking, I really like this. I like being Mm -hmm. on the stage. But that is rare. Most people fear that moment. And I think think to some extent, as kids, you sort of get over it perhaps quicker. And we sort of let our baggage cloud our judgment as we get older. And that fear of rejection becomes more real. But I think the biggest piece of advice that I give, and I try and do it myself, because I don't always do this, is prepare. Mm -hmm. If you're prepared 
and you've thought about what you're going to say and you know your structure, I agree with you. you're going to win. It might not be completely what you want it to be, but yeah. you're going to win because you have a structure. Like these podcasts, I think about it before. I think yeah. about a structure. So I'm not just coming into some random conversation. And I think that's the bit that I think if you can get prepared, then you can learn to live with the anxiety. I agree with you. And I want to add another thing. Being Getting prepared is definitely something that I'm doing and it gives me a lot of confidence. So I agree with you. But the other thing is really, let's not take ourselves too, too seriously. They said that, you know, nobody uh, got out of life alive. So it's okay to make mistakes. You know, I gave, I gave this lecture, I told you about Zoom lecture to um, government um, uh, officials uh, last week. And I talked to them uh, about, uh, there was a part in the, in the presentation, it was about personal branding that I told them, uh, we talked about the fear of showing yourself and expressing ourselves online. And once I said that, I had um, a Hebrew grammar uh, stupid mistake. And I'm like, I caught myself and then you saw, it just happened to me now. I just made a really stupid mistake, but you know, the world didn't end. It's okay. We just move on. So really nothing happened if we do these mistakes. So yeah. true. Um, I want to move on to talk about some of your other roles mm -hmm. because you are also involved in some really interesting initiatives. Um, mm -hmm. First of all, I want to talk about Jolt because they mm -hmm. are a company that I've been watching for a while. They're doing something really interesting that I'll let you share with our listeners. Yeah. Um, but sort of share with me why you got particularly involved with Jolt, what it means to you, um, and uh, mm -hmm. share more. Tell us more. Okay. So Jolt, and I think I know why you like Jolt because of graduate and you're, you know, possibly a um, history with education. But Jolt is a very, has a very unique concept. Let's start with the people because it's all about people. Jolt was founded by people. I know a few of their founders and they are great people, great entrepreneurs, um, people with vision and people of, of action um, with amazing values that I'm very happy to be attached to and, and work with. But basically Jolt said this, they said, okay, we, when we finish university, our knowledge kind of stays stagnant, but the world is changing so freaking quickly and we cannot go to, to work without you know, adapting ourselves. So they said, let's teach people. They will come to us. They will get a one hour and a half um, classes in order to, but, but with really what they need to know. So it's uh, interpersonal skills, it's Excel, it's uh, finances. So really the small things that they realize that are lacking for a lot of people. And, and then the, the, the pandemic has actually shifted that to help people get um, to do kind of a um, um, change of work towards high tech. So they have program in Israel, they have program in the UK actually, and they they teach um, the people to, to kind of how to change their occupation and, and prepare themselves for high tech. Now, the fact that I love them is for a few reasons. First of all, I really think they're doing, they're doing something very great to develop people, develop workplaces, develop the world. Second of all, I'm really happy to be attached to um, exciting companies that are really believing. And I'm there from over two years. So you can imagine it's just growing gradually and I'm there with them. Um, also very young and amazing people, great company culture. And, and that, another thing is that they really invest in me and there are the other speakers. They really maintain the relationship and make me feel like I'm valued even if I do once or, or two lectures a month. So. I mean, I really enjoy. I really enjoy them, and I, I recommend that you look at them. I think it's jolt.io. Yeah, no, I recommend everybody look at that. Before Corona, 
they mm. were doing localized learning meetups, right? Yeah. And so I guess there's been this big pivot because of Corona, but I think they may be a company to watch in terms of the return to work, but the return to mm. learning, but on, on the contrary, they might be able to lev leverage the localized element of how we might be changing the way we live. If people aren't gonna be you know, doing longer commutes to work and they're mm. gonna be working from home for all or part of the week, they may stay more local for some of the things that they want to access, services, learning. And yeah. I can, I, I, I've just had this memory and I can't remember if it was right, that they were doing a lot of learning in like UK British pubs that they would, bring the learning to you know locations where people were congregating because they they originally uh said when when you learn the focus should be on the student not on the teacher that's why the teachers were always teaching through zoom or through sorry uh, like video but the the, um, the students were in the same class so i was encouraged to to give them different activities and interaction so they will really feel um the you know the learning experience so the focus was on the students once the pandemic hit then obviously we moved into zoom and going into different rooms and we changed the way they interact and learn through obviously the zoom experience that lifelong learning is going to be critical and whether that's yeah. doing a one hour course once a month or more structured degrees or future mm -hmm. learning is, is, is something that everybody's tapping into, especially as yeah. we, as we are probably going to start to look in our careers, that <clears throat> we will do tours of duty, that we will stay within mm -hmm. sectors for periods of time and we'll maybe get bored or excited by something else and want to upskill and learn something new yeah. and head in a new direction. So I, I love that. I love Joel. Everyone, as I say, look, look at that. Now, this one's a little bit more political, controversial, maybe. You have a role within um, the United Nations as mm. a, an advocate for sustainability. Yeah. Um, first of all, how did you get involved in that and why sustainability is important to you? And then we maybe come on to some of my thoughts and we can chat about the UN. Okay. So uh, first of all, I'll just say it accurately. So I'm, I'm an honorary advisor at an external United Nations committee. They call, the name is the Committee on Sustainable Development New York. When I mean external, it means that the United Nations um, known and acknowledge this committee, for example, if I was to live in New York right now, I'd probably get a UN pass because UN um, acknowledges uh, this committee. Uh, but it does, I mean, what we do, it's um, we actually have a monthly meetings and we discuss different topics within the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So if you will um, Google the SDGs, you will find 17 colorful goals that the UN, uh, topics that the UN wants to change in the world until 2030. Some of them are education, partnership, uh, water crisis, gender equality, um, maintaining you know, the, the, the living creatures, the environment, clear water, uh, I don't remember the whole 17, but, uh, you know, it goes and goes along. Um, so I'm, I, when I lived in New York for a year uh, in 2016 and 15, 
And I was, uh, I met someone who is very involved in this committee, which um, be, I, because of my background, uh, I was eligible to apply and was accepted to, to this committee. Uh, I actually talked to the UN twice. Um, last time was just before the Corona, April, end of, sorry, end of February, 2020, when I was talking in the UN, it was an event together with the um, mission of Trinidad and Tobago. We talked about disaster relief and I was very honored to, um, to present two amazing Israeli uh, technologies that help disaster relief around the world. But as per your question, I mean, the world, our world is not, you know, not so doing so well in many cases, in many aspects and sustainability development uh, is one of them. So what I can do really, I, I use this to talk about it, to share my thoughts, to connect with individuals that can help me uh, make a difference. But, um, so it's a platform and I, I'm, I'm really excited to announce because it just happens happening these days. Me and two more partners from New York where these days we're founding um, an, an, an NGO called the SDG Relief Fund. Our website will be up soon. And we are actually are a fund of funds. So we're raising money to, um, to donate it to three causes of um, health. It's mental and physical health. Uh, business recovery, and within that also Corona recovery, and uh, ocean and environment. So I'm really trying to leverage this platform to do good. That being said, the UN is a body, you know, I'm not as involved in what it does. I don't agree with everything, but I really use this as a platform to, to do good as in, in, as in, in my terms. I think the first of all, wow, color kavod, as we say in our world, um, really special to I guess, get involved in something that gives you a lot of meaning, can showcase technology coming out of Israel um, and, and talking about something yeah. that's, you know, very, very relevant today. Um, I guess, you know, I, I was sort of tongue in cheek talking about controversy, but, you know, the UN, as you've, if you, if you pointed to there, is a very um, interesting body. Obviously, it does do good work. Um, yeah. But sometimes I often read these articles of, you know, certain countries that have been um, registered to the, you know, Human Rights Council or, you know, the Women's Empowerment Watch. And you look at the countries that are on them and they're like all the countries that do not value women or they're the countries that do not value human rights. Yeah. And the hypocrisy is just, I mean, it's laughable. It's actually a joke when you see this. And so it, it, it's a difficult dichotomy that, you, you know, an organization exactly. that has, I, I think, a good mission at heart, but some of the craziest decisions around committee membership yeah. or the work that they do. So I, I, I can I definitely agree with you. There is a lot of politics. There are a lot of people, you know, I've been to the UN premises and in, in, in the you know headquarters in New York for many times. And you see that some people there are, to really do the work and some people there to really do the network and, you know, close deals. Um, and yeah, so like in any place that has a lot of power, it, it attracts different types of people. Um, I personally know of a few very accomplished people and some of them are Israelis that are situated in some of the most important um, um um, you know, uh, places in the UN and really make an amazing impact on the whole world. And I know also people that, you know, just being, being there to do other things, which are less, um, let's say, um, like the, you know, like the original meaning of being in the UN, but it is what it is. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look, 
Liron, we're coming to the end of our time together. Oh, no. Uh, I know, I know. Um, I, I, I guess I, I want to sort of ask you, what yeah. does the future look like for you in terms of your business? Where's your focus at the moment? Um, and what, what, are we, what are we expecting from you? Um, so I will say probably in a few minutes, but I want to say now, first of all, thanks again for you know, for giving me the stage and for this great question that I'm really enjoying uh, to share some of my journey. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been speaking and doing and basically perfecting my, my skills. And there is always what to learn more as a business development and networking, um, you know, expert. I've been doing it for over 10 years now. Um, and these, obviously, Corona makes you think a lot about, okay, so what's next for me? And what I've been always doing, but now more pivoting to is I'm actually researching um, human connection, human, human business communication in a technological world, you know, they're saying that the technology rapidly changes, but the human psychology isn't, you know, our mind is still the one that we, that our ancestor had, you know, 10,000s of years ago, but technology and psychology, they have some kind of, you know, contradictory. So, um, you know, and we're, we're talking today with bots and we're talking online and, and so on. So I'm definitely researching more about um, how we can create a better business communication, which is also, again, it's interpersonal communication in a technological world. And I definitely see myself expanding this um, practices. And I really, you know, hope some of my uh, milestones would be to speak on TED and, you know, speak more globally and travel the world and, and just share these things that nobody teaches us with more people. So I really hope that next time we'll speak, I'll, I'll have some, um, I'll, I'll be able to tick some of the boxes that I've just mentioned. Look, knowing you as I do, I'm absolutely <laughs> sure that you will achieve all those things. Your success is a joy to watch, and I only wish you continued success. You certainly have the human factor by Liron Glickman. <laughs> <laughs> and Thank it's you. just a joy to have you on the podcast, and I hope that we can get together soon. It was so awesome to meet you 10 years ago at, you know, this conference. Who would have imagined that, you know, 10 years later, we'll be sitting here. So, Robert, thank you so much for giving me uh, this stage. It's, as always, it's great talking to you. And keep this great work and this great podcast and, you know, uh, sharing different people's stories. It's definitely blessed and amazing. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I've got some great future guests lined up, so please remember to follow and subscribe to the channel wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode.